We will start out, uh, we're going to turn to a few scriptures, so hopefully your Bibles are ready. Fingers are ready to turn pages. Thumbs are ready to scroll if you're doing it on your phone. A lot of people do these days because we're going to be turning to several passages of scripture to talk about what I think is uh, very important and something that has been very forgotten in uh, the church today. And that is that um, the Christian experience, the church, the church life together is the church's life together is spoken of as a body. This will probably work better because this seems to be cutting out. Yeah. Okay, praise God. Um, and the reason that I want to point this out is because we all know this. We refer to our, uh, we refer to ourselves often as the body of Christ, but I think sometimes we forget what that means. Because today we hear things such as uh, going to church doesn't make you any more a Christian than sitting in a garage makes you a car. And I cringe every time I hear that because it's not even accurate. Uh, first of all, the body of Christ isn't a car. It's never spoken of as being like a vehicle or a, I don't know what they'd have in wet. Yeah, what they'd have in biblical times, maybe a wagon of some sort, or, you know, uh, whatever the, you know, kind of contraptions they had back then. It, it, the body of Christ is an inanimate object. We're people. We're a body. We're members individually, and we're members together. So I think to use that kind of language, like, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, or if you, you know, and if you go to church, you go to church doesn't make you a Christian, just like being in a garage doesn't make you a car. I think it's unhelpful because it's like apples to oranges, you know, or um, when they say, well, you don't have to have running shoes to run, but it helps. Well, that's not, yeah, sure, running shoes help, but I can run in boots. I can run in crops. I can run in flip-flops. It's not always uh, smooth, but it works. I want to challenge us to change the way we think about this, uh, about being members of the body, because being Christians is not at all like running without running shoes or um, being in a car or being in a garage and being in a car or anything like that. Scripture speaks of it as a body. And I would say that a person cannot be in any way meaningfully related to Christ, be a Christian without church attendance. I'm not saying that genuine Christians don't for a season fall away from the church and cease to go to the church. But I'm saying it is going to be impossible for you to maintain a vital relationship with Christ apart from gathering with his body.
Yeah. There's no. no biblical argument to be made that you don't have to go to church. The New Testament teaches that we should go and gather with the body of Christ. That's what the New Testament teaches. That's what the history of the church has done since it was founded. They right. met together. That's what the church is. Yeah, exactly. And so... I think that it's important to when we are making analogies and sometimes it's helpful to do when we're preaching. We say this is like this um, and this is the way to think of it. I think that it is helpful to use first of all the analogous language that scripture uses for these type of things. Certainly there's places where we could carry it further in some places but I think that uh, God and his wisdom has given us, uh, we talked here a couple weeks week ago about our connection to Christ being like branches to a vine, which is helpful because it is analogous. And uh, we're going to find in our, in our main text here tonight a, um, an analogy that is very helpful, very analogous to our experience as members of the Christian church. So our first our main text tonight will be 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to read verses 12 through 27. There's going to be a lot of scripture here tonight. So when I uh, list the scripture, I'll stop and I'll give you a little time to turn there and follow along. Because I think it will be helpful as we begin to unpack what the scripture is talking about when it speaks of us as the body of Christ and just how helpful it is to think of ourselves as a body and what it really means for the authentic Christian experience. So 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 starting at verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members and all are members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are, are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God has set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now they are many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable Upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. 
For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. There is a whole lot there. And we are going to touch on most of it, and then we are going to turn to some other passages that support what he's saying here. Because it's not just like this was something that only he wrote to the Romans. This wasn't a specific... Because we got to realize when we were dealing with the biblical text that there were certain churches that had certain problems that the Apostle Paul was addressing. And that's not to say that no church in this age has those specific problems they had. But this is something that he touches on with almost every letter he writes. Tonight we're going to turn not only 1 Corinthians, uh, but he writes about this again in 2 Corinthians, which we won't turn to the passage in 2 Corinthians, but he writes about this issue to the Romans, to the Ephesians, to the Colossians, and whoever the author of Hebrews wrote about this very pointedly in a passage that we're familiar with. So we are going to explore, take time to explore tonight, the um, analogy of the body and what it means. I thought this was a good place to center this discussion. And I do, I, as, as much as time permits, want, want it to be a discussion. I want you guys to understand this. And if you have questions, ask. If you have something to say, feel free to speak up because this is going to be more of a study than a sermon. So if you have something to interject, Kevin, <laughs> you're more than welcome to do that. You won't take away from anything that I have planned on tonight, but you're <laughs> uh, am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? Uh, <laughs> uh, oh man, I love it. We can have fun around here. <laughs> okay. But I, I, I think it's important to realize that this isn't a specific instruction just to the Corinthians. This is an instruction for all Christians. It, 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 this is especially evident since it appears multiple times in Paul, in Peter, in John, even in Christ's words in um, the, the Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels. He talks about the church and talking about the responsibility of the church to one another. And I think um, we're going to see here in a little bit how important the relationship one to another is in building this idea of the body of Christ. For if the body is one, it is a unified body, we are unified with all other believers in Christ um, worldwide. There is this idea of the universal church. The church is made up of all people who profess faith, in genuine faith in Jesus Christ. That is the church, and it doesn't matter. It, you know, that crosses denominational lines. We have brothers that are Lutherans. We have brothers that are Pentecostals. We have brothers that are 
Presbyterian, Assemblies of God, wherever we have brothers and sisters that are part of this larger body of Christ. But, so the body is one and has many members. Now, individual Christians are members of this larger body, but there's a, it breaks down into smaller individual congregations that make up churches. And these churches are made up of individuals, but the body is not the body when just one person is there. If I am sitting here every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, preaching to nobody, the body of Christ is not gathered. I'm sitting here talking to an empty room. But where two or more are gathered, where we are gathered together, we are the body of the Christ. Because you are individually members, and I have need of you. And I think this is going to come out more later in this passage, that it is not just like a church needs a pastor, and then it doesn't matter who else is there. Right, right. That, you know, we have need of our brothers in Christ. Whether you think you do or not, you need your brothers and sisters in Christ. You need the body of Christ. It is very essential to your growth individually as a Christian. And I plan to prove that from Scripture tonight. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. This is important to stop here and talk about this. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into what? Into an individual relationship with Christ where I never see anybody else where I'm at home by myself and it's just me and my Bible and Jesus alone in my living room? No. That idea is very new to Christianity. Uh, you know, if you would have told people even 50 years ago that, uh, that that was an idea that we could have for uh, a vibrant Christian faith, they would have looked at you like you were crazy. But now we do. We have this, well, we need a church because we kind of need a minister to get baptized. But once I'm baptized, I can just float around by myself, and I am the body of Christ. You are not the body of Christ by yourself. A body, because, you know, it, if I have my index finger, my index finger is a part of my body. But if my index finger is severed apart from me, it's no longer a part of my body. So if you are a member of a church, you are part of the body. But how can you continue to be part of that body of Christ if you're severed from the larger part of the body? And just like we talked about when we uh, talked about the analogy of the vine used in John chapter 15, if a branch is cast off, from the vine, it no longer is receiving any life. If I cut my finger off, I have, I don't remember how long, what is it? You have up to like 24 hours on ice and less than that if you don't put it on ice. And you can, you can reattach it within that 24 hour window, but if you don't do anything with it, it'll shrivel up and die. It's not gonna continue to live on its own. Just like the branch, apart from the 
vine isn't going to continue to live if it's cast off the finger apart from the body or the eye apart from the body or the head apart from the body is not going to continue to thrive, not going to continue to grow or to live a vibrant Christian experience. So we are baptized into this one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. This is talking about unity. And we talked about this a little bit at Bible study the other morning about being brought into this one body with the Jews that have gone before. The Gentiles were engrafted into this tree and we have become part of one body with them. For the body is not one member, but many. So the body, as I said just a moment ago, the body is not one member. I am not the body of Christ by myself. You are not the body of Christ by yourself. Nobody is a, the body of Christ by themselves. It's a corporate reality. We must remember that. It is vital to our well-being as individual Christians because I find it in, rather insane to think that there are people who claim to be Christians who, and they might have a great deal of knowledge about the Bible. They can sit around and study day in and day out, and I'm sure they can probably quote more scripture than I am. But one thing that is always fascinating to me is that they say, oh, well, I was sitting here today reading or I was sitting here and I was watching this video earlier and it's uh, maybe, you know, maybe 12.30 on a Sunday morning and you say, oh, yeah? Well, where did you go to uh, meet with other Christians? Oh, I don't do that. I mean, I, I, I talk to, I have some friends that are Christians, but I, I don't go to church anywhere. I don't believe in organized religion. Um, that is a common theme in Christianity today, and it is foreign to anything the Bible talks about or anything the church has ever been about. And I could, I could preach a whole, or I could lecture a whole bunch just on that, but we won't get hung up there. Or if you, if you don't know who's fellowshipping with you. Right, right. And a lot of churches have this policy. They don't have, especially in the not more non-denominational variants, and not saying that being a denomination is anything to whether your church is healthy or not. No. But, but a lot of them have this idea. I mean, I've been to churches where they didn't keep no membership roles. There was no process to come into membership. There was no... 
uh, kind of covenant commitment to the church. It was just, hi, glad to see you this weekend. And if you come, then we assume you're a member of the church. If you quit coming, we assume you're not. So people can quit coming and then, okay, well, we just assume they don't want to be a member of the church anymore. Well, what kind of shepherd would I be if one of my sheep goes astray and I don't go after? What kind of commitment is that if my brother wanders off into sin or, you know, separates himself from the body and I don't go and talk to him and say, hey, bro, what's going on? Why don't you come to church? What kind of friend am I who knows that God has ordained for us to grow together. This is what this is talking about, right? Growing together. And then I just tell him, oh, well, that's okay. You just do your own thing, bro. If you don't think you need the church, you probably don't. You're good. You're strong in your faith. I can tell you, I with the, there's been a point in my life where I thought I was strong enough in the faith. and I couldn't seem to find any churches that I thought that I wanted to be a part of, and I made that very same mistake. And I had to learn the hard way. It is very hard to continue to live a vibrant, meaningful Christian life without being part of a group of people that are checking on you, that are praying for you, that are committed to make sure that you're growing. And it's hard for them, too. That's one thing that we don't think about very often when it comes to church membership is what our absence from the body of the church is doing to the other members. And that's what this is getting ready to talk about here. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? So to put this in perspective, if I would say, because I am not a pastor, I am not of the church. Because I am not a deacon, I am not of the church. Because I am not a teacher, I am not of the church. Because I am not on the board, I am not of the church. What then does that mean that they're not of the church? We have, we have faithful members who their purpose is to be a member of the church. And guess what? We need them. Just as much as we need pastors. Just as much as we need deacons. Just as much as we need board members. Just as much as we need Sunday school teachers. We need members of the body to do what members of the body do. Because guess what? You might, you might be able to make a round without a smaller part of your body. But guess what? Even losing your pinky toe can cause you to walk differently. And so if we lose even one small member, we're, our walk's going to be different. We're going to be off. We have need of every part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were pastors, who's shepherding who? If the whole body are deacons, who are the deacons serving? 
If the whole body are teachers, who are we teaching? If the whole body were board members, what's, I mean, what's the purpose of the board? Right. The, 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 you know, everybody's making decisions that, you know, it doesn't seem we have need for a board. We can just, you know, do our own thing. So, but if we say, well, I'm not a part of any of that, so it's not going to affect anybody if I don't show up to church today. I'm just a member. I just sit in the back. I listen. I sing. I take notes. I fellowship. And then I go home. They're not going to notice if I'm not there today. It's not going to affect anything if I'm not there today. That is the wrong. That's the wrong way to think about it. If the whole book. But now God has set the members. Every one of them in the body as it has pleased him. The position that you are in in this church is because God has placed you there for that purpose. God has a purpose for you in doing what you are. It might not seem like you're serving. It might not seem like there's any purpose for you to be here. But if God has placed you into the body of the church, you are there because God has placed you there. God has set every one of them in the body as it has pleased them. And if they were all one member, where were the body? It, you know, I, I'm not going to be a body if I'm just a bunch of fingers. I'm not going to be a body if I'm just a bunch of feet. There's parts of the body, and every body part has its individual function. And if they were all the same thing, where were the body? But now are they members, yet but one body. So, and I think this would be a proper place for a therefore. It's not in there, and I'm not saying they translate it wrong. I'm just saying it would be proper to put a therefore. So I'm going to say it that way. Therefore, the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again to the head, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to me more feeble are necessary. So, we have a lot of individual members of the body that are doing just that. That are saying, I have no need of you. I don't have need of a pastor. I don't have need of fellow Christians sitting here telling me they're praying for me. I don't have need of fellowship of hearing others needs so that I can pray for them I have no need of giving to the church I have no need of coming because I am just a pinky toe I am just a member I am just I just sit on a pew and I listen we cannot say to those we have no need of thee and they cannot say to us we have no need of thee because guess what if I cut my pinky toe off it's going to cause damage. That pinky toe is going to die. And if the bleeding doesn't stop, the whole body is going to catch some kind of disease, right? If we don't take care of it, if we don't seal up that wound somehow, it's going to get infected. It's going to infect the rest of the body.
Now ye are the body of Christ. Ye together are the bodies of Christ and members in particular. So we talked about this is specific to the Corinthians. This isn't specific to Agape Fellowship Church. This is an exhortation to as many as hear it, but especially for our church because we need, if we claim to believe the Bible, we need to believe everything the Bible says. And if the Bible says that members need other members to grow in their Christian walk, then that's what it means. Amen. It means that What's that that Pastor Randy said? No lone, no lone ranger Christians. Ranger Christians. And you are hurting your own walk. And you are, if that's your idea, you are hurting your brother's walk. You are a stumbling block to another Christian if you think that your Christian life is entirely private. I want to turn now to Romans chapter 12. Just flip back a few pages to Romans chapter 12. And he deals with this need for the body to be together. And the function of the body is it is constituted of its individual members. I'm going to start at verse 1 just for context. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable, the perfect will of God. So this is talking about the will of God. And he's going to go on to talk about what this is. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. For we have many members in one body. All members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one of the members, and every one members of one another. We are members individually of the body of Christ, but we are part of one another. Amen. That is the way that God has designed it. That's what 1 Corinthians 12 said, right? That is the way that God has designed it. How did it word that? Can you, can you remember? Um, what part? Uh, in t- chapter 12, I'm turning back there. But God has set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased them. God has done this for a purpose. God has set these members in the body for a purpose. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one member of another. Let's turn to another passage that I think is going to... Um, really expand on what the uh, purpose of individual members are. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to spend a little bit of time here as we did in 1 Corinthians. 
Ephesians chapter 4. We're just going to start at the beginning and we're going to read down to verse 16. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now that is a whole lot. And there's a whole lot of meaning in there. This is not just a sermon to chew on people that haven't been at church. This is a sermon to help those who haven't been at church to understand their need of those that are at the church and to help those who are at the church to understand the need that we have for those who are not here with us that should be. We need those who are not here with us. We need to be earnestly praying for those who are not here with us. We need to be reaching out to those who are not here with us. And that includes me and Kevin as well. I want to, I wanted to go to this passage because it gives us a great idea of what each, the uh, passage in 1 Corinthians talked about the members having different roles. This delves a little more in depth into what the roles of these individual members are. Endeavoring, verse 3, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, 
even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Not in you individually, but in you all. He is writing to a church. He is not writing to an individual Christian. But unto every one of us is given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. We all have gifts. They are all different. But gifts are given to every one of us. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Verse 11. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For what? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Why am I standing up here talking to you? It's not just so that I can go home and feel good because I got up and gave a speech. I'm here to... Um, lost my train of thought. Wow. Um, I am here to edify. I am here to equip you for the work of the ministry. I, I am here that you... Not just that I might minister to you, but that I might minister to you so that you can go out and minister to somebody else. That I can bless you that you might be a blessing. God has blessed me that I might be a blessing to you. God has given us his church as a gift. He has given us his ministers as a gift. He gave us the words of his apostles and prophets as a gift. And each one of these things has a purpose. Till we all come into the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. This is not talking about individually a perfect man, one man. This is talking about the body of Christ being built together as a perfect man. Ephesians chapter 2, right? We could flip back there. And in verse, um, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ being himself the chief cornerstone, in whom all the buildings fitly framed together grow into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are also built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. We are joined together into one new man, and that is the man that is becoming whole. That is the man that is being built together into a perfect man. This is 19 yeah. through uh, 22. That we henceforth be no more children and tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness. 
and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. What is the easiest way for a person to get caught up into believing a false doctrine? We talked about false doctrine a little bit this morning. What is the number one way that people get into false doctrine? They remove themselves from the body of Christ. They heap unto themselves teachers that will tickle their ears and tell them what they want to hear. If they don't want to come to church, they will find a teacher that tells them, you don't need the church. If they want to believe that uh, God can make them rich, and that's that's the purpose that God serves is our carnal happiness, our carnal joys, they will find a preacher that will tell them that. And they don't want to hear us. Why don't they want to hear us? Because we won't tickle their ears. We'll preach the Bible to them. They will heap unto themselves false teachers. And they will be carried to and fro by every wind of doctrine. A sure way to know that you will not be carried away by false doctrine is to keep yourself within the body of Christ. Because there is wisdom in the council of many, right? Instead of just being this private Christian here by myself... I'm within the council of saints who love me and who care about me and they won't let me slip into any weird teachings. I won't be tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. I won't be deceived. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. From whom? From from who? Who are they talking about? From Christ. The whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Every joint supplieth something that is necessary for the body to be fitly joined together. If you are a member of this church, you are supplying something that is very Vital to the health of this church. And our commitment to you is that if something ever happens to you, we are going to do whatever it takes to get that joint back up to 100%. Because that's what we need to be fitly joined together. Every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto edifying of itself in love. This is the purpose that we, for which we meet together. This is why Scripture labors this point about every member of the body being necessary. That's the whole point of everything I've talked about tonight. Every member of the body is necessary. Every person has an individual purpose to fulfill within the larger purpose of the body of Christ. And we cannot say to any of you, we have no need of you. You cannot say to any of us, you have no need of us. This is evident. And the, as I talked about, the body, uh, the analogy of the body is very fitting because if you cut off one part of your body, Your body doesn't function the way it used to. 
Now, it can heal itself over time, and it can learn how to live without that part of the body, but it will be a long process. It will hurt, and you can ask anybody who's lost any extremities. There will be phantom pains, recurring pain, things that come back, things that just aren't the same as they were before you lost that part of your body. So the health of the body is very important. Thus, the health, the spiritual health of our members are very important. So knowing this, we need to go out and get those. We need to go out to win those back to the body who are separating themselves. Because they have taken it upon themselves to say, the body no longer has any need of me and cut themselves off. From the body. Turn with me just over to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, 15 through 19. Oh, well, let's, uh, let's go 17 through 19. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body. The church who is, oh wait, sorry, I'm in chapter one, sorry, chapter two, let's see if that works out better. Chapter two, and you being dead in your sins, verse 13, you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, have you quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a few of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man judge you therefore in meat or in drink or in respect to an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of the things to come. But the body is of Christ. The body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. I'm chapter one is the one you want, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Well, I I can't read my handwriting. That's why that's why I type out my notes for Sunday morning. No, you're fine. Chapter chapter yeah. one is the one you want. Yeah. You just gotta keep reading past seventeen. Yeah. You'll you'll get it. For in him, yeah. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or power. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him, to reconcile all things himself by him. I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. He is the head of the body. Right. And then in chapter 2, this whole this 
The increase of God, yes. Right, right. So both of them were completely. Yeah, yeah. You may have wrote two down. Yeah. But you read them well, I crossed some stuff out here and wrote. Well, I, I would say one. Yeah, Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verses uh, 15 through 20, yeah. and, and 2, uh, 13 through 19. And it might even help just, you know, if you have the internet or you have a concordance even, go and you want to read more about these things, go and just look up uh, body in, you know, in your concordance and look look at all the place where, places where it talks about the body of Christ and you'll soon see everything I'm talking about tonight and its purpose and its um it's, it's um, how essential it is for us to get these that we might grow together. Finally, one last place I want to turn to, and this is a passage we're very familiar with here, Hebrews chapter 10. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. You'll probably figure out where I'm going. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 27. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves but exhorting one another, and so much more, so much the more as ye see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, that there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. This is important. We quote this often when we're talking about church attendance. Let us not forsake, not forsaking the assembling together of ourselves as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more did you see the day approaching. This talks about holding fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembly. These are things that we cannot do without one another. God has designed that we would grow as a body, that we would grow corporately, right, right. 
that we would, each one of us would have a purpose. And Christians oftentimes remove themselves from the body of Christ because they have a discrepancy about some minor detail that could be worked out if they would just talk to somebody. But rather than that, they have this individualistic idea that, well, if I'm not getting what I need there, I'll get it myself. And they will go and they will become recluse. They will separate themselves into their own house with their own Bible. And they will sit there and they will read. And they will come up with strange teachings. And they will, um, and Kevin's experience this, they'll uh, tell, tell other people not to, not to gather with the church. Oh, you, you, don't need, you don't need all that. You don't need to go to church. You can just, you know, you just stay, stay at home and study your Bible and pray and be with the Lord. And that's all you really need. And going to church becomes secondary or not essential or not even practiced by some. And yet they still call themselves a Christian and a member of the body of Christ. church, being a member of the church, and then removing yourself from that membership is going to make things hard on you. Uh, and what's more, it's going to make it hard on other people. And that's something that we don't think about when we have been going somewhere. I remember uh, as a young Christian, always getting so aggravated when I would miss church. And then I'd have that couple or three people, you know, usually the pastor and maybe a couple deacons or Sunday school teacher uh, would come up and where were we at last weekend? Or if they ain't seen you in a while they come by your house. They used to do that. When I was going to First Southern, I had uh, both the pastor and our music director, Ron Brown, lived just down the street. And I'd go through spells where I just didn't feel like coming to church after I was a baptized member, and I mean, I was 10, 11 years old, you know, but they would come by and they would check on me. We just wanted to see how you're doing. Just wanted to visit with you and see if you, you know, and this was after I was gone for a couple, or, you know, maybe a couple or three months. I was gone. I wouldn't come just because I was like, hey, I can sleep in on Sunday morning or I can go play with my buddies Wednesday night after school. 
you know, nothing was, I didn't think nothing was wrong, but these people were coming to my house. And they used to annoy me. Like, hey, I'll come when I want to come. I didn't understand. Yeah, that I should have had to the church. But now that I understand it, I, I'd like to find both of them and thank them for instilling that in me. That that is something that members should be doing for others. If we are, you know, if we know people that need to be here and they haven't been for a while, we need to at least ask. We don't, I mean, don't have to pressure them. Don't have to make them feel, you know, less than. But we need to ask, where have you been? Or, you know, how, how's your walk with the Lord? How's your prayer life? How's your study time? You, you know, what, what kind of things are you doing to nourish your Christian life? And then remind them how important it is to come to the church. Because the fellowship of the saints is one of the primary means of grace that God has given us to grow. And if we continually neglect it, and that's what Hebrews says we're doing when we don't meet together, we are neglecting it. We are not growing. You show me a person who has neglected the gathering for something that they perceive to be better, and I'll show you somebody who is either spiritually dying or running off into errors. They know that their church, people who are found in the faith, wouldn't allow. Or they are trapped up in some sin that will harm them and they know that they will be called on it if they're around other Christians and they don't want the accountability. How do I know? I've been there. I've experienced these things. I'm not preaching at anybody. I'm saying these are the things that are necessary. Don't make those mistakes because they are big mistakes and they will have even bigger implications, not only for yourself, but for those around you. That's why we're instructed to remove members that are openly sinning and unrepentant because it affects the whole body. That's why we need to correct these that are removing themselves from the body because it affects the whole body. If we want a healthy church, we need healthy members. If we're going to have healthy members, we need to have members that are playing their part. Right. Amen? Right. All right. A healthy member is a member Yeah, a member who is here. We're not asking you to be a, uh, we're not asking you to be uh, a theologian. We're not asking every person to do, to do street ministry. We're not asking people to come up here and preach every Sunday. We're asking you to be here. We're asking you to be praying for one another. These are basic milk of the word kind of Christian things that Christians should be doing. And if you're not doing these things, it is cause for you to examine yourself. I'm not calling in to question your salvation, but this is cause for you to examine yourself. Am I living a fulfilled Christian life, one that is pleasing to God? And that starts with church membership. And no, sitting in a church doesn't make you a Christian. But it's going to be hard to live that Christian life if you're not sitting in that church. Because this is a body. And we're fit together 
the Lord has put us together for a purpose. And in his wisdom, the same way he made their body to function the way that it does, he made the church to function with each individual member in their place, doing their part. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the gift of grace that the church is to us, Lord. We thank you for each individual member, for those that show up, Lord, and they might not feel like they have a whole lot to contribute, but Lord, they bless me so much more than they even know. Just to know that they're praying for me, just to hear my brothers and sisters ask about my week, about how things are going in my life, just to hear them say that they're praying for me, just to see them when I'm standing up here preaching to them, just to look at them, see each one of their faces, and I, I know them, and we have a relationship together, how much of a blessing it is that you have placed us into a church body where we can have a vital connection to one another. Father, we pray that those relationships and those connections would be fostered through our fellowship here at the church and fostered through praying for one another and bearing one another's burdens that we may grow up into a full man fit for your service. Father, I pray that each one of those who is not here with us tonight that should be here, I pray, Father God, that they would not feel condemnation, but that they would feel conviction Lord, that they would understand the strain that their absence is putting on the body of Christ. That they would understand the strain that their absence is putting on their own spiritual health. Father, we, you didn't design us to do this Christian life alone. We have the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And we have the love of each of our brothers. Father, may we continue to meet together and to pray for one another and to serve one another as pleases you. I pray that you keep all of us safe, that we may meet back here at the next appointed time, that we may receive instructions from your word with readiness of heart, ready to do what it is that you have commanded in your word. Father, we ask for your grace and your strength to carry out this task that you have called us to. And we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen.